Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my father. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hello, my name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm an American double board certified psychiatrist. We hope that you enjoyed our episode last week, found some insight in that. This week, we want to talk about social media and kids and This is a hot topic considering that everyone is chronically online these days and it can start as early as the time a child is a little toddler given an iPad to watch some baby cartoons. Um, I want to start off this episode by asking my dad, um, at what age did did me and my siblings start showing an interest in getting online the computer. Well, you all started when you were in grade school. That's when you had some sort of an interest, and it was more towards uh, middle school when that became something that your peers and wanted to start uh, looking, getting online. Today, though, the average... Uh, kid is 12 and a half years old before they start getting um registering for the social media app so that's the that's the average age 12 and a half years at this point i i would love to look at this episode through the lens of you know my my experience growing up as well as like seeing my siblings grow up because i remember when i was a kid we had the computer room where that's, you know, where the family computer was. My older sister, she would log on. She had her time to be on the computer. Back then, I think for her generation, it was like MySpace was the big social media um, website that people were going on. And I remember there was always, you know, some tension about her being on there. You guys didn't like it. And then with my brother, it might have been the same thing. And me, I think I was really into like, YouTube and I think Facebook started coming out when I was online. Um, So obviously I say all that just to give context that it's different today in 2023 for parents where everyone seemingly has a smartphone and iPhone, which has hundreds of apps that can all be used for good, but can also be used for not so good. And so the landscape has changed, and I'm sure for parents, it's a challenging time to where are the boundaries of, I guess, where do you establish those boundaries of how old should your kid be when they download TikTok or download Instagram, for instance. And so I want to ask, I want to follow up to your stat about the average age being 12 years old. In result of kids getting online that early, what... What are the ramifications of that? Well, it's interesting that you point out the computer room, but if you recall, that the door of that room was always open, and when your mom or I would walk in, it would we'd be looking at the screen, and it was more about parental supervision than anything else, and I think that's the issue nowadays, is that because devices are ubiquitous right they're everywhere that sort of supervision is no longer possible though that seems like that's the crux of the problem now is that 
kids are unsupervised and somebody um, referred to it as like uh, an, an ocean and you wouldn't just drop off your kid in the middle of the ocean and expect them to survive. You got to give them sort of like training wheels, right? And and so that's where we are nowadays is that kids are going to need some help navigating their way through the social media universe, right? So on average, what would you say are the, or what have you read are the mental health effects on kids being online at an early age with un- unsupervised, essentially? Well, we have to remember that development occurs critically during the, the ages of 10 to 19. And when Facebook first came out in the early 2000s, there was a group of psychologists that were able to study the effects that this would have. As you know, it, it debuted in college campuses, right? And they compared colleges that had Facebook as opposed to colleges that didn't have Facebook. And what they found out was that there was like a 2% increase in the colleges that had Facebook in regards to increases in depressive and anxiety disorders. And you might think, well, what's 2%? Well, when you look at the broad picture here, there's 17 million college students. So that resulted in an increase in 300,000 more students that developed these disorders. So it's it, it has an impact. And that was studied again early on. And the impact now is is really extensive. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, I'm even recalling just going back to the computer room that we had a computer room. I knew that if I went to a friend's house, they had a computer room where it was a similar setup where you could always see the screen. The parents could always see the screen. It was in an open space um, and we could only have so much time to be in there, like 30 minutes, an hour or something if friends were over. Um, And obviously that was... In hindsight, like when you're a kid, you think it's annoying and oh my gosh, my parents are so annoying. Like I want to be on YouTube or playing my games, whatever it was that you were on. But, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I was like, wow, like that probably saved me and my peers a lot of um, (laughs) just saved us from a lot of trouble being online and having those um, rules implemented are a good thing in hindsight. Um, and I think today because you can't, you know, if you give your kid an iPhone, I, I, oh, I even remember, you know, being in when I finally first got my first iPhone in seventh or eighth grade, I remember I had to give it to my mom every night before bed because I couldn't sleep with my phone. And I would be, I'm curious, like if that's still a thing for parents, you know, like, is that realistic? And I, I I mean, I would love to hear from your parental point of view as well. Well, we we learned from your sister, your older sister, that she was she had a phone and she was up we you know, back then it wasn't unlimited minutes or anything, so it, there was a charge for you know, the time you were spending on your phone. So uh, we were looking at the bill and say, wait a minute, she's up all night on the phone. So that's when that had to stop and, and we had to uh say, okay, you know, you're checking your phone before you go to bed. 
And that's the thing now because kids should be sleeping about nine hours and a lot of kids are sleeping less than seven hours because they're, they're on their devices at night. And that's going to take a toll on, on, on their emotions, on the way they feel, on their, able, their ability to focus on school. And that's going to also increase their depression and anxiety rate. So sleep is critical. And that's why it, was, it just made a lot of common sense to check your phone in before you go to bed so that you can get a good night's sleep. And so parents today, what do you think are some of the biggest hurdles that they have to face when they're having these conversations with their kids? Because I think we mentioned this before, like everyone has an iPhone and adults are on their phones equally as much as kids are. So it's hard to be to tell us a a kid, hey, don't be on your phone if you yourself as a parent are glued to your device as well. One of the reasons we're having this conversation is because this week the United States Surgeon General reported that there's a, a national youth crisis, a mental health crisis that is, because of social media. And we have to look at the origins of this. How did this all start? Well, the iPhone was introduced in 2007 and that by 2012, 50% of adults had a smartphone. Now, 95% kids have a, a smartphone. So it's it's widespread. It's it's really caught on. And what's critical here is the time spent on on the phone or on the apps on whatever device you're using. And it's staggering to 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 know that 45% of kids report that they're on social media constantly. Think about that. Constantly, that means that they the whole the whole day is spent on social media. You know, I remember even when I was in high school, um, my my I went to a private Catholic school, and they had a no phone policy, but that didn't really stop kids from, you know, pulling out their phones, recording, trying to post on Snapchat. So, I you know there is a lot of truth to that that some kids are constantly online, and um, it's. I I don't know where the boundary is. Like, I, for instance, in high school, if you were connected to the Wi-Fi, um, the school's Wi-Fi, they had program blockers. So you couldn't log on to these apps. You couldn't access these apps when you were logged on to the Wi-Fi. So sometimes I think that worked, but a lot of times you could just turn off your Wi-Fi and use your cellular data and be on the apps that way. So I think kids, you know, are really resourceful and if they want to be online. I It's unfortunate, but they're going to be online. And I think I, I don't really know what the solution is there. Well, clearly it's, it's an issue that's troublesome, though some critics of, of the U.S. General Re- Surgeon General Report will argue that there's always some sort of a scapegoat for trying to fault the kids for not doing as well as they should be, and that this goes back to even when comic books were first introduced, when TV was first introduced, when video games came on board, and so... They're saying that there's other issues that are keeping kids from thriving and that are causing them, you know, to feel depressed and anxious. And 
And of course, there may be some truth to that as well. But again, this doesn't seem to be... And, and there's also some positive things about social media because it builds community. But as we've also talked on, on our podcast, it also causes bullying and other issues. So it's something that's, I think, controversial, but definitely uh, merits uh, talking about. I mean, it's obvious that social media isn't going anywhere. It's, if, if anything, I think we're launching into a new era of, you know, Web3 and that sort of thing where our lives are only going to become more entangled in this social media universe. Whether or not people want to participate, that that's up to them. But I think there's this push that, you know, there's this next level that people are going to be online to an even stronger degree. Um, so, yeah, it definitely is something worth talking about and trying to navigate, you know, at least I think it's, you know, most important for the kids, like, to protect them and have some age restrictions of you can't be online until you're a certain age because you have to be a kid. You have to experience what it is being a kid. And that doesn't include social media. Well, among other things that are, that are of interest is that when you obsess over anything, whatever it may be, even social media or whatever it is, it's not good. Obsessions are not good for you. And you need to diversify your interests. Um, but it's not a healthy thing to do physically or emotionally to be on social media continuously. That just cannot and, and will never be a good thing. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's conversation about social media and kids. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we hope you found some insight, thought this conversation was interesting, and we hope you have a great day wherever you are.